Today, we're going to talk about visual organization and why you're missing out on a key component of making your life simpler. Welcome back to the Simple Systems with Sam podcast. Hey, Sam here, and I know your day's crazy, but I've got a quick idea to take your stress from overwhelmed to under control. So let's tackle systems from the classroom to your living room, one simple step at a time. This is the Simple Systems with Sam podcast. So today, visual organization, I've talked about it in a couple different ways, but never actually put it all together in one episode. And so we're going to talk about five different ways that you can visually organize your life and why it's important. Let's let's kick off with the why, should we? Visuals are so much easier for our brain to interpret. That's why I started out teaching this year with sketchnoting for my freshmen, because you can interpret an image faster than you interpret a paragraph. So instead of taking all of these words and all of these lists, we can condense it down into a diagram. Well, we need that same type of thing in our life. We can remove some underlying unknown stress just by making things more visual. And we can do this in all areas of our life. So we're going to talk about the five ways that you can improve your day with visual organization and we'll apply it to all aspects of being a teacher, parent, human, (laughs) all of the things. The first one we're going to start off with is one of my personal favorites, color coding. I color code anything and everything I can. So the quickest way to give a visual cue about where something belongs, what type of item something is, where something should be organized. And so you can use this in a multitude of ways. I have mentioned I color code my children and that sounds horrible, but they all have a different favorite color, right? I'm going to lean into that. And actually my two-year-old already knows that one sissy's plate is purple. The other one is this teal color and his is the dark blue. Every time we eat a meal, we could rearrange their seats every single time and they know exactly which one is theirs. You can also color code things like your closet. You remember the color of that shirt that you wanted to wear. You remember colors of spines on books, which is why some people organize their bookshelves by color. I think that's more for visual aesthetics. But still, you might say to yourself, oh my gosh, the cover was yellow. And you can go look for that because your brain could remember that the cover was yellow and what it looked like, but it might not be able to remember the title of the book. And color coding schedules is another really easy way to simplify understanding what a schedule looks like, especially as we are falling into all of the sports practices, all of the after school activities, everything that needs to be accomplished. When you can color code it by person, then without even reading the schedule, you know who is going to be busy on what evening. And then you also know what your responsibilities might be, because if your five-year-old has something to do, well, so do you. (laughs) And so it's going to make it a little bit easier to see what's going on. But if you just use your Google Calendar to put in your tasks and you don't color code them for either the type of tasks or the person that's involved in it, then you're really missing out on an easy and quick way to make your life a little bit simpler and a little bit more efficient. Even when it comes to school, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite attendance questions is to always ask them what color science is. Because you know, as a student yourself, you probably picked a certain color for certain subjects. So yellow might have been English. That's the most common one I've heard. Green apparently is for science. I think it's blue, but that's fine. Red was a common one for math. But that way, everybody had their own personal way of organizing their subjects by a color that resonated with them. And so when you're looking through a full backpack, because our students don't use lockers, you can easily see which notebook you're going to pull out. That might seem like a very minimal thing, 
But honestly, being able to have the visual cue is going to be such a long run game changer. I color code not only my class schedule, so my first hour is red, second hour is orange, and so on and so forth, but I also color code my preps. Right now, my freshman science class is orange, my physics class is blue, and then my AP physics is yellow. This allows me to easily sort out files and documents, or like, for instance, when my sweet freshman knocked over my entire turn-in tray with all of the syllabus in the lab contracts and the lab safety quizzes and then the getting to know you mind maps. Well, when he knocked it over, I had to go sort them. But it was as easy as first hour, red. Six hours, green. Seventh hour is blue. I put them in their folders and then it was all set and ready to go. And another great way to use color coding is with your students, especially if they're struggling to learn a concept. Color coding notes is the simplest step that I will take with all of my students if they're struggling to understand a concept or understand the notes that we've taken. I will go through and color code all of the terms and the different variables with them, and we can work through that system. I actually have a video on my YouTube channel. It's a few years old now, but it's a great outline of different ways that you can color code with your students in the classroom. Number two is decanting. Decanting is simply taking something out of its original packaging and putting it into something different. And decanting is like a popular home edit sort of organization staple. They will take anything out of the ugly box that your food or your items come in, like battery packages, and they will move it into another container. Now, some people have very strong feelings on this. You either love the idea of having everything look pretty and uniform, or you're like, that is pointless. What I'm going to tell you is you don't always necessarily have to put it into a pretty container, but taking it out of its original container is going to be helpful. Why? Because it allows you to see very visually how much of something you have left or what something is. If you keep things in the original packages that they come in all the time, you will constantly have to open that package to either check how much is there or check what it was in the first place especially as we get more and more um, generic versions of items and they kind of come in just a plain white little box. Don't know if you've noticed, Every a lot of things that I buy now come just like a plain white little box. I bought a whole bunch of off-brand command strips for my classroom to be determined if they pull the paint down and it was a white box. So when I was looking for those command strips after I moved from classroom to classroom this year, I couldn't find them anywhere because I'd left them in the box. Whereas I was able to take all of my sensors, for example, out of boxes that I hadn't used last year, and now I can see not only which sensors are where, but now I can see all of the sensors in one place, but also it removes the bulky extra packaging. So I'm taking up less space in the drawers in my classroom, and I'm able to organize it a little bit smoother. When I need a motion sensor, I can tell you exactly which drawer it's in because I remember what it looks like, but also because it's not just hiding away in a box. Visually, I can see in the drawer where it is, which drawer it belongs to. It's in the purple section because I color-coded my lab stations, making things as visual as possible. Now in the pantry, it is especially nice to decant things because the packaging on some of our food items is deceiving. And I know that there are certain things like, you know, they have to account for space for like chip bags. When you go into a higher altitude and the chip bag expands, like they have to allow for that to happen without popping. So I can kind of understand that. 
But when I can pour an entire bag of Cheetos into one of my smaller sized pantry containers, it really shows you too what you're getting for the cost. So it's kind of a cost saving analysis, but I know I'm running out because I can visually see it in its little container. When we have all of our kids' snacks, we buy Cheez-Its, we buy the giant thing of goldfish, we'll buy Fruit Loops, that's a favorite snack right now. If I left all of that in the box and they all decide they wanted Cheez-Its, but I had no idea that we were so low, that would end horribly for me. <laughs> so instead, I dump them into other containers that are also easier for them to pour from, but now I can see the levels as we go. So you're not only able to see when you need to replace something, which is an entire model of productivity and efficiency within factories itself, but also you're able to save space on all those boxes that you now get to throw out and remove from your day. There's also something to the visual clutter of having all of the bright marketing branding in your face when you open a cabinet. When you have 12 different bright colored cereal boxes staring back at you, it can mentally be a little overwhelming in the background. So decanting is a helpful tool. But also you need to decant things you probably don't think of. I mentioned batteries earlier. Batteries come in very odd shaped packaging. So you can decant those. We have a battery daddy that we put those in. At school, I decant all my lab supplies into other bags. Yes, I am removing a box to put things typically into a Ziploc bag or like a little tiny plastic container but the visual of it is going to be more beneficial than keeping it in the packaging that takes up too much space. And another hidden one that I really like, but I haven't taken the plunge on is shampoo and conditioner, especially when you've got the little pump bottles. None of those are clear. You have no clue how far you've gone. And then what It's just a horrible feeling when you are in the shower and you're just trying to get clean real fast before you have to go to school and you run out of shampoo because you you just had no clue. You had no clue that there was none left because the bottle is completely opaque. They have those little plastic dispensers that you can stick to the side of the shower, or you could actually just buy glass bottles that you empty the plastic bottle into so that you at least can see how much you have left. I think this is actually a really great math experiment because I don't know about you, but I go through shampoo way faster than I go through conditioner. And so maybe I could figure out my ratio of shampoo to conditioner bottles that way. I will let you know how that goes. The third thing is that you need to label hidden items. Naturally, we don't want to have visual clutter around us. So we tend to hide things in cabinets, behind doors, in drawers. That is okay. That is actually preferable that you have spaces that are not always out in your face for all of these things to go. But you need to know where things should go. You need to know where things should return to or what things should be there so that if other items make their way, you can move them back into their natural habitat easily. The idea is to have a place for everything and to make sure that everybody else knows where that place is. So if you aren't labeling, for example what type of marker goes where in a classroom, you're going to get colored pencils in there. If you're not labeling where students should be able to turn something in, you are going to get a ton of very innocent freshmen turning things into your AP physics tray. And um, that's not where that belongs. (laughs) 
And labels don't have to be done in words. Labeling things, especially for children, can be done very easily in pictures and in clip art. And it's a benefit to label something with an image because if we're trying to make a visual cue, the more visual and less, well, word-based we can make it, the better. So even for yourself, if you could label where the first aid kit is with the picture of a Band-Aid instead of first aid, you're probably more likely to remember where it is because the visual is going to hold into our brains longer than just the words itself. And once you've decided where everything has a place and you've labeled it, then you need to make these labels something that is also easy for you to adjust. I love a good label maker. However, one of the problems with label makers is that it makes it feel permanent. And I don't know about you, but I like to rearrange things. As I decide that something flows a little bit better or that something is going to make my life a little bit easier, I'm going to shift things around. I love a wet erase marker for labeling my clear containers because it wipes off super easily. But also, I love just using a piece of tape and writing Sharpie on top of it. That's so simple and so effective. I use plastic sleeves in my classroom to label my cabinets and I can insert and remove post-it note size cut piece of paper. And so that's actually what I'm going to be doing in the next couple of weeks in my classroom is going through inventorying my color-coded lab stations that then I've assigned cabinets different purposes and now my labels will have most likely a mixture of images and words on it. And when I say label things, there's also different ways you consider a label. Physical label is going to define the place that something belongs and where it goes, but you also have your time block labels. So for instance, I have a section of time from three to six where it is family time, dedicated family time. That is what I labeled that time block no matter what. And within that time block is going to go all of the things that fit within family time. Now, sometimes the label might say gymnastics. My time is labeled to go there. Well, I'm at gymnastics, but I have assigned myself a secondary task that I know is associated with the label of gymnastics. I have associated the task of reading books while my kids are at gymnastics. It's a relaxing activity that I want to still accomplish, but also I can stop it and watch what's going on very easily. Just like you might nestle something Within a label on a drawer, you might have a first aid label, but you also know that's where you keep the Tylenol. Well, you can do that with your time as well. Next up under visual organization number four is task cards and task organizers. The more we can make tasks visual and the steps that go along with them visual, the easier it is for us to process and break down. We can come up with a to-do list all day long. But if you don't write it down, first of all, you're probably not going to get it done. But also, if you're making it more challenging to interpret what the task is, then you're not going to accomplish it either. If you want to set up a new morning routine, if you can create five pictures for yourself that represent the items you're going to do in that routine, you're more likely to accomplish those five things than if you wrote them down in words to remind yourself. You want to make it as low stakes as possible to follow through with the tasks that you are giving yourself or others. We've already talked about how kids really love pictures. They love images. It's easy for them, especially if they can't read yet. If you can create a list of tasks for students or your own children to do in visual cue cards, 
you're going to find that they're more likely to follow through with it. If you want your students to come in, grab a notebook, and answer the questions of the day, you might just put up on the board a little laminated picture of a notebook and then a laminated picture of a question mark, and that will cue them as to the order that they need to do things. If when your own kids come home from school, you want them to grab a snack, put their binder out for you to sign, and then maybe get dressed for the activity that they have that afternoon, then you can turn those into visual pictures for them. And adults are not outside of this. We love pictures. We love being able to see things in shorthand. I There's always those tattoos that are just acronyms of something, and they're a perfect example of why our brains love simplifying things down as much as possible. The easiest one that I can currently think of is the tattoo, I feel like it was popular like 10 years ago, where it was a G, a greater than sign, an up arrow, a down arrow. It stood for God is greater than the ups and downs. Well, it took four symbols to relay that message and everybody understood the visual cue. So if we can create something like that for ourselves, then we're also more likely to remember what it is we need to do. You can also create visual task cards for things like packing for trips. You can create a printout with a picture of a t-shirt, a tank top, a sweater, and then you can just write numbers in them and have your kids pack their own bags. You can create a visual task card for your kids to check that they have packed everything they need for school for the day with a water bottle, a little snack looking bag, and then maybe their binder or a coat. And then they can grab that before they go out the door. And if you want to even make your own little calendar more fun, you can go ahead and just insert emojis instead of actually typing out descriptions of events. For example, I went to the farmer's market earlier today. You know what I would type in there? A bunch of fruits and a coffee. I always get a coffee to wander the farmer's market. It's like the perfect excuse to get a cold brew. Last up in our visual organization tips is timers. Visual timers are extremely helpful and they're less stressful than seeing an actual countdown timer. What I mean by visual timers, there's timers where like if you set a timer for 15 minutes, you turn the knob and it reveals a red section. And while it doesn't show you the amount of time left, it shows you a visual representation of how much time is left before that timer is going to go off. Our glasses are a great representation of this as well. It doesn't give you that almost stressful impulse of, knowing exactly how much time you have to do something, which can seem counterintuitive. But if you knew that you had four minutes and 32 seconds left to do something, you might talk yourself out of completing that task. For example, does anybody else's students love to pack up for the end of class seven minutes early because they're really nervous that they're not going to be able to pack up in that long of a time? Instead, visual timers allow us to feel comfortable with the amount of time left without all the pressure of having second-by-second countdowns. Visual timers are a great tool to use any time that you need to get something done in a low-stress environment. Even if you wanted to use them in school for stations, you can just Google a visual timer, and as long as that stopwatch isn't there but a color portion of something is emptying or filling up, then students will still know when they need to move around and do something else. It's also a really great way to assess your time. So instead of looking at how much time you spend on certain things in terms of hours and minutes, we all have timers on our apps hopefully by now to help us reduce our screen time and be a little bit more productive with that. 
But have you ever looked at how you spend your day in a pie chart format? Or like I had my students do with their time management check-in, simply coloring in pieces of their day to see where their day is spent. Adding visual organization and visual cues to all of these things is going to be an easier way for your brain to interpret and digest the information, and then it's easier for you to assess if any changes need to happen. And speaking of, my time block spent on recording and editing this podcast is starting to run out of time. So I hope that you can go and implement some visual cues, which will ultimately help you reduce some of the mental stress that's just hiding in the background and allow you some more freedom and flexibility in how you might attempt to organize things, spend your time, but also to hand off tasks to others. Until next time. Thanks for hanging out today. I hope that this simple step will help build big results in your classroom, home, and life. Remember to subscribe, review, and tag me on social media at Engineer Does Education so we can build a simple system together.